Mena von Tilburg for Bears News. Alex von den Hirfer and Renius Mashongo are world-renowned wildlife trackers. Their story of how they overcame trust and such vastly different backgrounds were penned in the book Changing a Leopard Spots. Since the publication of the book, they were whisked around the world to tell their stories. And I've since used some of their wisdom that they accumulated to help businesses. And with us in the studio now is Alex. Hi, Alex. So welcome to Biz News. Hi, Linda. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, before we get to your latest venture, for people who might not have read the book and might not have heard about your story, tell us about what the book is about. Linda, the book is about my 30-year journey with a man called Renia Simklongo, who is a Shangan man. He was born in a mud hut underneath a jackalberry tree in what is today the Kruger National Park. And he, he was raised in the traditions of a hunter-gatherer. And I, I, on the other side of the scale, come from Plettenberg Bay, from the cattle farms of the Cape. So when we arrived at Londolosi Game Reserve and we were thrown together to become guide and tracker or ranger and tracker, it was like the moon talking to Mars. Uh, a, a short white man and a tall, charismatic black man coming together and, um, and having to, to, do, to take people out in safaris. Um, it's been a passion of mine, wildlife, my whole my whole life, and I was following a dream. And I'd gone through all of the credited training, but when I got to Londolosi and I had to take safaris, I realized how little I knew. And it was Renius who, over the last three decades, has taught me, mentored me, and over the time we've had a multitude of shared experiences, which has grown into a deep bond, a brotherhood, a kinship of some kind. And that's what the book is about. It's it's how we did it. It was no walk in the park, let me tell you, from both of our sides. Um, but uh, we've we've managed to stick together, and um, what has resulted ultimately in a highly productive, incredibly fulfilling, beautiful relationship where I think I've seen a part of South Africa that I'm afraid m many people do not see. So, so the book is about overcoming mistrust, and at one stage, I, I'm read, I've read that you actually thought he was a rhino poacher. I mean, how do you overcome that? Yeah, and it's interesting you start with that. That's that's quite right, Linda. Um, we'd been working together, I don't know, t 15 years or so, and in about 2010, the rhino poaching crisis took hold in Southern Africa from rhino, losing one or two a year where we were working, we started to lose 40 or 50. And then countrywide, we were soon losing over a thousand rhino a year. And basically anybody who worked in a game reserve at that time became a suspect, but a potential, potentially involved in some part of the chain of this rhino poaching crisis. And a few things happened that made me think that Renius had gotten involved in a rhino poaching syndicate. And so... <clears throat> Uh, long story short, I, I approached him. Um, he th There'd been a few things like he started to speak English in the bush uh, on his phone, which he never, ever did before. Um, there was a, We, tr in fact, tracked a, a rhino with our Tracker Academy students one morning and found it dead with its horn cut off. I knew the village in which he lived. There had been some convicted poachers and who, who knew Renius, and Renius knew. And I concocted in my mind this narrative that he must be involved. Um, there were a few other things. And one night, at three, well, early morning, three o'clock in the morning, I approached him and I confronted him and I said to him, I think you're involved. And 
he immediately said to me, what would you like me to do to prove you wrong? And, and I didn't really have an answer. I didn't expect him to respond like that. And he said, well, I've got an idea. Let's go for a polygraph test. But uh, on one condition, you do it too, he says to me. So that's fine. We drove to White River. We had one done. He passed. I passed. He said, that's not good enough. We drove to Johannesburg and had a second one done, which he passed. And you ask yourself, why would, I mean, I asked myself, why, why, would, why did I distrust him after so many years of working with him? And the, the truth is that I have all kinds of biases as a white person having grown up in this country. There's no other way to say it, really. I had concocted a story in my mind based on hearsay and had decided that Renia Simclon were my best friend, the best man at my wedding, and the man who had saved my life on several occasions in the bush was a rhino poacher. It was, a it was one of the lowest points of my life, but it's a story worth telling because I think we all, go, we all fall into that trap at some point. And what I learned from it is that the first thing we need to do if we want to reconcile in this country is acknowledge that we are damaged, most of us, and that we have these, these intrinsic biases that go on in our minds. And we've got to look at that and we've got to acknowledge that we do have these issues. And that is the first step to reconciliation. And so I learned a huge lesson and Renius gave me every reason to stop the, call the relationship short, but he was the bigger man in, the, in, in that instance. How do you come back from that? How do you build trust again? Well, <clears throat> in fact, that was that set us on a journey to to, to building trust. Um, we started I, we started to communicate much more closely. I, I started to spend a lot more time at his home in his village of Dixie. I started to feel a lot more empathy from him him to me, and and I started to open my heart. I became a lot more vulnerable, and it, the incident actually took us to an to a new level of vulnerability, actually. And we, it was a breakthrough, really. And it needed to happen. Um, in our instance, I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone who's trying to form a relationship with somebody from a culture different to yours. But that's how, that was the painful period we went through. Um, but ultimately, trust is about three things. It's about being authentic, be, about being em empathetic, and it's about being logical in the way you communicate your judgments and so on. And those three things, the trifecta of those three things helps can help us. And it's, it's in fact a model now that we, we work with lots of corporates on in, in helping them with trust. You said that your book was released the day after lockdown, the worst day to release a book. Um, did it do well? It has done well. It's regarded in South Africa, by South African standards, a bestseller. That's, that's not anything to, uh, to really brag about on the international stage. But the book starts with an with a uh, a story, which helped us build some trust in the beginning. And, and we I'd been a game ranger for six weeks, and Renius took me tracking. We we were under pressure with a group of Canadians to find a leopard for them, and we were working at Londolozi, where Londolozi is the place to go and visit uh, to to see leopards. It's the premier leopard viewing destination in the whole of Africa. And Renius and his brothers were the men, the trackers responsible for calming the now famous leopards of Londolozi in the 1970s and 80s. So he was a seriously competent and highly skillful tracker when I started there as a young 19-year-old. And we go off tracking. Up until this time, he doesn't want to take me with him because he's not sure that I can handle what's going to happen. We were tracking a particularly uh, angry leopard that day, the Tuguan female. And what happened was 
uh, this leopard basically burst out of the bush next to us. We'd been tracking it down a riverbed. A squirrel made an alarm call which alerted us to the fact that she was close by. But before I could adjust, this leopard was on me. And I backed off and I tripped over a log. And I fell backwards. My rifle was smashed, smashed out of reach. And this animal was right on top of me. And uh, it was Renia standing off to the left, just slightly behind me, that basically extracted us safely. I, I, I came out of that unscathed. Um, had I been on, on my own, I shudder to think what would have happened. But that was the moment that I realized that in the bush, in the context of what we were doing as game rangers tracking animals, I could trust Renius. It turns out that that was not true 15 years later when a different type of mistrust confronted us. So you said you started telling corporates your message. So not only the message of trust, but also you said the skills of a game tracker, the mindset of a game tracker. Yes. So as I alluded to earlier, Ren is one of the world's most renowned trackers. Um, and he's br he comes from a, two of his other brothers were also renowned trackers. They're like the Barrett brothers from All Black Rugby. They just, they just don't come around very often. These three Mflongo brothers. Phineas, Elmon, and Elmon and Plongo worked with John Varty in the early days of Londolozi putting together those uh, wonderful documentaries and, uh, and, and Renius and Plongo. And so when I worked with Ren, we started to have a conversation about how do we ensure that these ancient African-born skills of tracking are not lost when the Plongo brothers and the likes move on. And um, so we... In 2009, we resigned from our comfortable jobs at Londolozi and we went into the chilly wind of unemployment with a dream, Linda, a dream to create a school that would restore these skills. And we traveled around America. We funded our passage by teaching people tracking. We tracked grizzlies and in North America, in the Yellowstone and jaguars and Amazon and so on. And in doing that, we did presentations to try and raise money for our idea. And after a year traveling through different countries, we came home to South Africa without a single dollar to show for our efforts. Um, we wanted to, create, to raise money to create a school. And on the beach in Plettenberg Bay, I was days away from telling Ren we must go and get our jobs back at Londolozi. I was introduced to the Rupert family and specifically Gaynor Rupert. And we made contact and formed a relationship and ultimately resulted in gain or funding and founding the, the Tracker Academy, which is, which is an NGO that Gaynor, Renius, and I started uh, 14 years ago. It's trained 266 young men and women from rural villages. And um, a statistic we're most proud of is that 95.6% of those are now in permanent conservation jobs, all, all of whom were unemployed. So I digress a bit, but that's important to understand that mm. our lives have been about tracking. And in this time with Tracker Academy and Ren and working with other tracking masters and tracking experts, that they have a certain mindset, Linda. Mm -hmm. And it's these mindsets that we now take. We, we, we've realized that tracking a lion, the process, the mindset that requires the complexity that you deal with, you, you're in a vast environment. You're in an area that is wordless. So there's no consultants, no algorithms, no signposts to consult. And it's wild. It's all beyond your control. It is to, to deal with that. The master has a, a, develops these five mindsets that we have um, distilled and that we now use to work with corporates to understand 
when when are the when they go off track how 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 to get back on track and how to track better and how to adopt the the mindset and the mentality of a master animal tracker so so what are these five what are the five yes good question um the five are it's the, the five are, I'll go through them very quickly the five are we start with discernment you 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 have to you have to have a discerning mindset to even find the track and be able to tell the difference between a leopard and a lion's footprint that requires analysis detail oriented the next is when you start to follow the the trail you want to be curious you want to be asking questions constantly you want to be investigating your nothing is discounted um, at some point you're going to lose the track because uh, you, we never track a line without losing it at some point and I'm not talking about tracking a dog on the beach where you can see foot, 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 footprint for footprint we, I'm talking about in difficult environments so you always, even the masters lose track. We all go off track in life. And do we have the resilience? And the trackers show great adaptability. They're humble. They are prepared to face the facts when they go off track. They will go back to their last time. They were on track and follow again with extra care. Renius is always the first to say when he's lost the trail. The fourth mindset is one of Im imagination, practical imagination. Constantly saying, I'm trying to understand what the animal is doing. I'm trying to know how the landscape up ahead is affecting that animal's movement. And I'm also reconciling that with what the details, the track details are. And the answers to those three questions help you build a narrative, a mental picture of what that animal is doing. And that helps these trackers to leapfrog and to get, get ahead. And then the final mindset is one of reverence, which in many ways makes every, all the others possible. This idea that I care for the environment, I care for my colleagues, I, I care for the animal, I, I have deep care for this environment in which I work. And we find that trackers with reverence have less encounters, bad encounters, they are safer, they're more aware, and yes, there's a greater self-awareness about them generally. So these are the five mindsets that, they're a constellation, Linda, of, of mindsets. They go together, they work together, they... They're an interrelated group of activities, really, that go together to ensure that the tracker can make sense of his environment and track these highly elusive animals and sometimes dangerous animals. So how do businessmen access it? Is it through the Tracker Academy or how, do you, how are you presenting these? What are they, workshops? Yes, they're workshops, they're presentations. We've opened up a separate company called Wild Signs, um, which has a product called Tracking Success, the website is trackingsuccess.tv, and that is where um, that's the platform from which we operate the uh, all the tracking. So all the tracking metaphors that go into helping business. And basically, we take an ancient skill born here in Africa to help solve modern business problems. Is 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 what our mission is. And how long have you been going with this? For about five, four and a half years. Oh, we've okay. been we've been and we've worked. We're getting a lot of interest from uh, places like Germany, the UK, Australia. We've focused a bit on the international market, but this year, in fact, and it's one of the reasons why I was very keen to talk to you, is that South African businesses, I think, can will, will see the value uh, very quickly. Okay, and what do they come out and have what game drives as well? Is it sort of an inclusive package, or how do you do it? So we, there are two ways of doing it. We've we what we did was we filmed ourselves tracking these animals, and we've uh, we turned that into an interactive documentary, where we can we can 
give a tracking experience to an audience virtually. And we can make them, we can put them in the same tracking situations that we were in and ask them to make the decisions that we had to make in real time. So we, ca- we ran it both in the boardroom or in a big conference or, and the Rolls-Royce version is for us to take them to our new camp in, in Chokwar in, in Southern Kruger National Park to, to do it in, in and that's, that's what we really like to do is to take people in the bush because that's when we see transformation happening. So there is a camp as well. Yes, and this is actually very central to our story. You know, Ren and I have always dreamed of our own game reserve, and it finally came to uh, to light uh, uh, last year in July, where we opened the Chokwan River Camp under the brand Kruger Untamed. And Renius, having been born in a mud hut, you know, uh, into poverty, he was forcibly removed as a as a child from his land, him and his family. Um, and there's a fantastic or very interesting story around that particular day um, which was maybe for another day but now ends up as a legitimate owner in a preeminent safari business in in South Africa so Renius' story is one of restoration and genuine transformation in this country we don't know any politicians and we made it happen so we believe that if people from different backgrounds can get together anything is possible in this country we've come we're committed to the future of South Africa because we can see that it is possible. Um, you can either complain around the dinner table or you can put you get your hands dirty and there are opportunities for all of us still in this country. Well, it sounds like an interesting business um, opportunity. Thanks so much, Alex van der Nieuwe, for speaking to us. Thank you very much, Linda.